0: Sidewalk Audio and Patiobooks.com presents The Prince of Hazel and Oak. A podcast novel by John Lenahan, Book two of the Shadow Magic series. Read by the author. Chapter 16 The Green Knife After getting our butts handed to us good by Mr. U-House, we had no other choice but to go home with our tails between our legs. We didn't talk much on the way back. The rain had given way to a wet fog, what my father would have called a little mist in the air. If I had been driving a car, I would have turned on the windscreen wipers every couple of minutes. We rode in silence while I fantasized about being in a limo with the heat turned up full. We skirted around Mount Cass, hoping to see a familiar landmark. Losing a guide is not a comforting thing. It's only after the guide is gone that you realize you should have paid more attention during the outbound journey. The other problem was how quickly winter had set in. During the trip out, the land was still vibrant with the colors of autumn. But just in the short time that we had been on the mountain... Everything seemed to have gone brown and gray. Araf remembered that we had approached the mountain perpendicular to a sheer cliff face. Brendan and I said we remembered that too, but I think the cop was faking it. I know I was. I did remember the cliffs when we got to them, but I wasn't as confident as Araf when we turned right. I looked to Brendan for confirmation, but he just shrugged. That made it official. Araf had become the new guide. I took... One last glance behind me, trying to calm the growing fear that I would soon be spending forty days and forty nights lost in a wet, frozen wilderness, when I saw a speck of green. I would have missed it if it had been summer, but among the decomposing colors of winter, something stood out. I walked acorn back to the bottom of the cliff and dismounted. It was the sheathed knife that had hit Brendan in the back. As soon as I picked it up, I saw that it was a beautiful thing. The handle was made of green glass with a spiral of gold wire embedded in it. I untied the leather strap that attached the sheath to the handguard and studied the blade. It looked like one of Dahi's throwing blades, complete with the golden tip. When I replaced the cover, I noticed a piece of paper stuffed inside and I fished it out. The message, written in haste on a crumpled piece of parchment, read, The changelings have the answers you seek. It was not signed. I stowed the dagger under my coat, remounted, and hurried to catch up with Araf and Brendan. I tried to tell Araf about the knife, but he was trying to concentrate on the path home and told me to shut up. I said, If you're going to be like that, I'm not going to show you the neat thing I found. How he ignored me after that, I don't know, but he did. So Acorn and I fell in behind him and spent the rest of the day concentrating on being cold and wet. That night I went for firewood. It's easy getting wood in the winter. In the summer, the trees are chatty and want to know why you're in their forest and where you're going, but in the winter, they're groggy and just want you to leave them alone. They pretty much say the tree equivalent of, yeah, yeah, just take some wood and stop bothering me. I mentioned this to Brendan, and he loped off into the dark and came back with a ton of logs. He heaped my modest blaze into a full-blown bonfire. Then he made teepees out of lean branches and shocked Araf and me by stripping off. The very naked Brendan placed all of his clothes and bedding on the teepees to dry and shouted, "'I'm sick and tired of being wet and cold,' and then he started jumping around like a lunatic. Araf and I watched, keeping our gazes as high as possible, as our companion enthusiastically lost his marbles. He danced and chanted, and before long, Araf and I were mesmerized and laughing. "'You gotta try this. It's great!' Brendan said as he dashed stark naked into the frozen night. Araf and I were just about to go and find him when he returned, shivering and blue. He threw a stack of thin branches at us and recommenced his dance, dangerously close to the fire. Araf stood up, made a tripod of branches, and took off his overcoat. "'You're not going to join him,' I said. "'I, too, am tired of being wet,' the big guy replied. I sat in terror as I watched a naked Brendan teach an equally naked Araf how to prance around a fire like a Native American Indian chief. When I could watch no more, I decided to go to bed, but when I stretched out my damp sleeping roll, I thought, oh, what the hell? I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't done it myself, but I gotta tell ya, if you ever get a chance to dance naked around a bonfire in the middle of the winter with a cop and an imp, don't knock it till you've tried it. Once you get started, you just have to keep going. Spinning is important because one side is burning while the other side is freezing. After a while, the whole world goes away and only the dance and the fire remain. We kept going late into the night and then collapsed into our sleeping rolls and slept like babies. Like dry, warm babies. (laughs) The next day there was no mention of the night before, but we were certainly happier travelers. For years, wise men have searched for the meaning of life. They should have asked me, because I found it. It's dry clothes. Now that I was unmiserable in the saddle, I was free to admire the stark beauty of the land in winter. Many of the trees in Tirnanog have leaves bigger than my face, so seeing any distance in the lushness is impossible. But now, Only the spooky skeletal frameworks of the trees broke my view to the horizon. It was beautiful, but also unsettling, and it made me wish all the more for a roof and a fire. There was no fire dancing that night. If someone had suggested it, I would have been up for it, but I guess too much naked fire dancing is a bit weird. After a trout supper, I finally got to tell my companions about the knife. Are you telling me that those brownies didn't throw a rock at me? Brendan said. They threw a knife? You should have let me shoot them. It was a sheathed knife, and it wasn't the brownies. Who then threw it? Araf asked. When we were in the chamber with the oracle guy, I said, do you remember the hooded figure in the shadows? To be honest, Connor, Brendan said, I don't remember much of the time in there. I got clocked pretty good. I saw him, Araf said. Well, I got a quick glance at the person who threw the knife, and He was wearing a black hoodie. I think it was the same guy. But why would someone throw a sheathed knife? It was an envelope. I found this inside. I took out the message and handed it around. What's a changeling? Brendan asked. I don't know. A raff? It is a very old term. When I was young growing up in the Hazellands, my nanny Brieth used to use the name changeling when she told stories about the pukas. They are beings that can change into animal form at will. Yeah, I saw one do it once, I said. Okay, then, where can I find a puka? That might prove difficult, Araf said. No one has seen a puka since before the Battle of the Twins of Maka. Your father was about to set up an expedition to the Pinelands just before he became ill. Well, then it looks like I'll have to go there. Where is it? I would have no idea how to get to the Pinelands, Araf said. I bet my mom would know. She had a puka tutor. She might. She is the only one ever to be schooled by a puka. They are a very secretive race. How your grandfather Liam persuaded the pukas to provide a teacher for his daughter, I have no idea. Then let's get back to the Hall of Knowledge and ask her, Araf, are you certain we're going the right way? Certain is a very strong word, Connor. Well, that fills me with confidence, Brendan said. Hey, look at the bright side, I said. We may get so lost we find the Lands by accident. Araf was being unduly modest. Without one wrong step, we reached the edge of the Lands two days later. It was just starting to get dark when we reached the outer structures of the Hall of Knowledge. Just past the first outbuilding, two imp sentries jumped out of nowhere with their crossbows cocked. I was tired and cold and hungry, but worst of all, I smelt really bad. The only way, I said with a large outlet of air, you guys are going to stop me from getting a cup of willow tea is to shoot me. Stand down, imps is all Araf had to say, and they lowered their weapons. Prince Araf and Prince Connor, the sentry said, doing a bowing thing. Lady Deirdre and Lady Neve have instructed us to keep watch out for you. Lady Neve is here? Yes, sire, she arrived yesterday. Go back to your posts, Araf said. The soldiers snapped to and double-timed it back to their hiding places. We cantered into camp. I wanted to gallop. I really needed a bath. The bath was obviously going to have to wait. Mom was waiting for us outside the library, and she wasn't in a hospitable mood. She rudely dismissed Araf and Brendan in a very queen-like fashion. I was jealous. I would have loved to have been dismissed. Did you learn anything? She asked even before I entered the room. And where is Spidog? Hi, Mom. I'm fine. Knackered, but fine. And, oh, yes, I'd love a cup of tea. I said in one breath as I kissed Mom. Hello, Auntie, I said, planting a kiss on her cheek as I passed. I collapsed on the sofa. The two of them stood in front of me like I was in trouble. I expected them to accuse me of nicking mead out of the pantry. What? Oysin is getting worse, Neve said as Mom looked away. I didn't jump up or shout. I just dropped my head in my hands and rubbed my eyes. Of course Dad was getting worse. Nothing, and I mean nothing, had gone right since I had gotten back to the land. I should have expected this. I clamped my molars together to stop a flow of tears. Fawn said he could stay like that forever. We thought he could. No one has ever frozen a person in shadow magic before how bad is he mom came over and hugged me not too bad she said it is very slow it took fawn this long to notice anything at all but it means our time is not infinite we must find a cure have you found anything in the shadow book since i've been away mom shook her head An exhausted no What have you learned? I told Mom the whole story about our welcome at the U-House and the loss of Spidog. I left out the part about almost slipping off the edge of the cliff to our death, so not to unduly worry her. Finally, I showed her the knife and the message that was within it. Mom examined the knife in silence for a long time and then handed it to Neve. Finally, Mom straightened up, and with the same queenly conviction that she had shown my companions earlier, she said, You leave for the Pinelands tomorrow. I instantly changed from son to loyal subject. I stood and said, yes, ma'am, then hugged her. On the way out the door, Neve commented that I could use a bath. You have been listening to The Prince of Hazel and Oak, a podcast novel by John Lenihan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. You can hear more of their fabulous music at www.lunasa.ie. That's L-U-N-A-S-A dot I-E. You can learn more about Shadow Magic and its author on www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Shadow Magic, book one of the series, is available from HarperCollins in paperback, EPUB, and Kindle formats.